0: Welcome to What's Up with Betsy Johnson, a podcast from a longtime Oregon legislator and keen political observer discussing what is right and wrong with government, politics, and public policy. Even when you were a senator, a serving legislator, you went before committees and testified, not because you weren't on the committee and it was a bill that was important to you, so you'd show up and testify. So when you would do something like that, how do you get ready for it? What do you do and uh, do you practice? What? What?
1: Well, no, I, I didn't because I was part of, I, I was in the, in the process in Salem, and I I knew a lot about what I was testifying about. What's made it so difficult now is a double whammy of COVID and construction. The Capitol building, uh, which is a venerable old building with two more modern wings that were attached to it. Um, the former Senate president, Peter Courtney, wanted to preserve that building. And so it has undergone construction for the last six years, uh, give or take. Um, There's never really been a a published budget for how much it was going to cost to seismically retrofit this building and upgrade and make improvements in the building to make it a more functional building. I am guessing, because even as co-chair of Ways and Means, I could never grind a full budget out of the people, the Department of Administrative Service that was overseeing this construction project, I could never get a complete budget. But I bet that the Oregonians have spent somewhere in the area of three to $400 million on this building. It has turned the building into a construction zone which is difficult to maneuver in and out of. So you add construction to COVID. COVID brought a level of um, of uh, isolation to that building where hearings were not held in, per- in person, they were all done over the internet. Uh, that impersonal, distant way of testifying was not very satisfactory. And many of the chairs of committees, if they didn't like what the testifier had to say, would limit them very strictly to a very short period of time to have their, their say, and would allow people whose opinion jived with theirs to have lots more time. So you've got the COVID protocols, construction, and then much higher security. The last time I went in the Capitol building, and it was arguably a while ago, like about a year, um, it was like going into an armed camp. It used to be that Oregonians could walk casually in and out of their capital. The doors were open. There, there, there weren't guards and metal detectors. And, and the last time that I was in the building, it was a uniquely unpleasant, unfriendly, unwelcoming place to go. So I'm just saying that it, it, to, for somebody to make the effort to go down to Salem... Parking, if it is existent, is very expensive. Getting in and out of the building is a hassle. Uh, if a person has any kind of, um, uh, uses a wheelchair or has any kind of um, physical conditions that make ambulation difficult, the building is not accommodating. And so then you you know practically have a, a proctologist exam to get into the damn place um so it it's very difficult for Oregonians to engage i'm used to this open accessible welcoming place and to my way of thinking albeit a year ago that i was there that 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 place is gone so people need to familiarize themselves with olis and you and i a long time ago did a practicum on how to use olis I don't know if that practicum still exists and we could make it available to our listeners, but it was a very useful and easily understood tutorial in how to navigate the, the Oregon Legislative Information System. This was one of the few IT projects in Oregon that was done on time, on budget, and it's because it was done by the legislature. But it helps people in real time navigate what's going on in the legislature, including seeing the agendas, seeing copies of the submitted testimony, knowing who's on the committee, seeing the revenue impact or the expenditure impact of a particular policy. It gives summaries of what the policy is. And so you can just Google Oregon Legislative Information System, and that's a way to stay up to date. If going to Salem is not a practical reality for people, um, they can try to navigate uh, OLIS. They can also weigh in with their own legislator. Each legislator, will their offices will be staffed, or at least they should be, both on the House and the Senate. If you are calling a house member, the numbers are all the same. It's 503-986-14 and then the district number. So I live, for example, in House District 31. So if I were going to call my house member, I would dial 503-986-1431. In the Senate, all the numbers start with 17. And I live in the Senate District 16. That was the district I represented for nearly two decades. Uh, And I would dial 503-986-1716. They should have staff answering the phones, and that staff will be, they should be, I can't promise that they all are, but they should be keeping a record for their member of the legislature about what kind of calls came in and what citizens supported what bills and what didn't. Those phone numbers have voicemail on them so you can leave a message at all times of the day and night. It was not uncommon on controversial bills that I would come in in the morning and I'd have 50 or 60 voicemails. The other way that you can communicate with the legislature and your particular legislator is through email. And on some of these issues like ballot measure 110, I would encourage people to weigh in uh, and encourage their legislator because right now I don't know how the Oregon legislature is going to vote on ballot measure 110, but I can tell you based on our extensive polling that uh, the public wants there to be a change. So you can send email messages to state lawmakers, including uh, encouraging them to take action on whatever the legislation is, including 110. You can, um, for 110, you can follow uh, Facebook and whatever uh, X I think is it's now called, uh, and the website for uh, ballot measure 110 is fixandimproveballotmeasure110.com. Uh, And you can, uh, if your legislator is holding any kind of a public forum during the session, as many are want to do, I did regularly. you can go visit them with wherever their announced meeting place is. So um, despite the fact that I have painted a very unwelcoming view of the legislature, do not be um, squeamish about weighing in. Undaunted Oregonians should should let their legislators know how they feel about some of these bills, because um, uh, these there, there will be laws passed in this session that will have a profound effect on how Oregonians um, live and work. Uh, even though they shouldn't be doing big bills in the session, there will be big bills in this session And so this is not the time to be a bystander. Then the other thing I'm gonna do is to give a pitch to what is increasingly called the pirate press. Um, These are bloggers or uh, people that are weighing in on social media with opinions. One that I think is particularly good is the Oregon Roundup. Jeff Eager, former mayor of Bend writes that and I find it very, very useful. He is an insightful and thoughtful writer. Uh, legislators have emails and you can scrutinize and comb through those. Brian Boquist, Senator Brian Boquist, writes a very, very thoughtful, intensive piece called the Bi-Weekly Clips. And he reports on issues in Oregon nationally. He's a former colonel in the military. Uh, He holds forth on world events, and God knows anybody that uh, uh, has a TV or a radio is aware of what's going on um, in Gaza and in the Red Sea. And as we hurdle towards what I think could be a much wider engagement, people that have uh, heretofore had kind of parochial views of current events, I would urge them to... um, to engage uh, on that on the geopolitical scene globally because uh, I I just I have a great sense of foreboding about what's happening, and what state lawmakers need to hear from Oregonians is the possession of hard drugs like fentanyl, heroin, meth need to be reclassified as a class A misdemeanor. Right now the proposal is a much lower, but a lower misdemeanor threat is not going to have the same level. Um, of consequence to incentivize people to get treatment. And so we've got to get this comprehensive fix to ballot measure 110 with enhanced funding for prevention and treatment and recovery and much tougher penalties for drug dealing. So I encourage people to weigh in uh, on 110. The national drug legalization lobby is spending millions to stop legislators from fixing ballot measure 110 Um, I believe that we have something much more powerful, and that's Oregonians that are willing to weigh in. They know that ballot measure 110 is broken and needs to be fixed. And so um, uh, to the best of your ability, weigh in. And again, you can get information on 110 at fixmeasure110.com.
0: So what kind of safeguards do you have in place, if any, to make sure you don't end up with uh, a poorly written, badly worded, ballot measure that doesn't do what you'd hoped it would? Oh,
1: well, let me start by saying that several of us that are in this little group don't like ballot measures. Uh, one of them was a former head of the Judiciary Committee when he was in the House and publicly says, I hate ballot measures because they tend to be very badly drafted. Um, they're expensive and it is no way to write law to do it from the streets. Having said that, We have very thoroughly vetted the language of the ballot measure. It has been through the process of legal review at the state level uh, with very little correction. The people that don't like the ballot measure had the opportunity to challenge it legally and their arguments have fallen flat. And so we have very powerful ballot titles that describe a very implementable fix to the mess that ballot measure 110 has created.
0: So if you're successful, if the legislature doesn't do what it's going to do, the ballot measure passes, it's not like waving a magic wand and poof, the homeless are housed, the drug problems disappear, the crime goes away and everything's rainbows and unicorns and, and Terry shrunk plaza.
1: No, make no mistake. Nor has our little group said that uh, ballot measure 110 was uh, caused drug addiction or homelessness, Uh, We know better than that, but it certainly was an accelerant on the problem. And so uh, if the legislature passes a meaningful fix, not some wussy fix or something that is a Trojan horse because its process is so cumbersome, uh, if, if if they pass a crappy solution, we'll go to the ballot if they pass a meaningful solution that gets more people into more treatment faster and they accompany that with adequate resources, which they have, to create more treatment beds and more um, county supervision, then no need for a ballot measure. And we will save lives and help begin the redemption of our glorious state. Uh, So, Right now, it's in the legislature's hands. You pass meaningful reform to ballot measure 110 that fixes it, and no ballot measure. You screw it up, see at the ballot.
0: And as we sit here today, which way do you think it's going to go?
1: <sighs> I don't know. Hard to tell. I think there's a fighting chance they, do, they, they fix it, because I'm sure that they're hearing from their constituents, the people that put an X next to their name and sent them to Salem, that Oregonians are completely dissatisfied with what's happening on the streets and the reports of death. Um, When you have a deteriorating situation that commingles drug addiction and mental illness, exacerbating uh, a a person's deterioration, you get situations like a guy who set himself on fire uh, recently and died as a result. I mean, this is the the consequences of doing nothing or or passing a Trojan horse that in effect does nothing, Um, there will be consequences. And there are going to be politicians who, if they screw this up, go back to their constituents and the constituents ask the legitimate question, what did you do to make this better? And they say nothing they deserve to be turned out of office. And there are going to be funders as all of these political people are around looking for contributions for their election or reelection that are gonna ask, what's your stand on 110? And uh, what I've been telling people is that if, they, if the candidate or the applicant for financial support doesn't say it needs to be fixed and reformed, don't give them a dime. It's interesting to me um, as I have watched all of this drug debate unfold in Oregon, that when knowledgeable, thoughtful people are making comments about the quantity and I dare say the quality of the drugs that exist right now and the pernicious effect that it's having on Um, Oregonians, particularly young Oregonians, and it goes largely unreported or underreported by the press. Um, That surprises me. Uh, I did not see this testimony firsthand, but one can go back and easily look at the record that a legislator who is a medical doctor came and testified before the Joint Committee on Addiction and uh, this is Lisa Reynolds, a medical doctor, and was quoted as saying that excessive marijuana use at a young age can um, can exacerbate uh, the onset of schizophrenia. And she prefaced her remarks by saying, I'm opening a can of worms to say this. I would find it um, incumbent on the media to pick up on that when a member of the legislature who is a practicing medical doctor says that excessive use of marijuana has pernicious effects on people's um, mental health and well-being, that somebody ought to reported on that and followed that testimony back to Dr. Uh, Reynolds and asked Dr. Reynolds to elaborate and cite the studies. Um, I I just find it stunning that the media didn't report on that.
0: Thanks for listening to What's Up with Betsy Johnson. If you have comments or questions about this podcast, please email questions, Q-U-E-S-T-I-O-N-S, at BetsyJohnson.com.